Hey guys, welcome back to the Health Conscious Podcast, where we interview healthcare professionals to gain a deeper understanding of the industry. Uh, I'm Anand, with me is Parsa, and our interviewee today is Dustin Murders, the Director of Retail Programs at CapturRx, a 340B solution provider based out of San Antonio. Now, I very quickly want to say that I've spent the last year and a half working for CapturRx. I continue to work for them today as a part-time employee while I'm going to school here at Cornell. And uh, Dustin's been my manager for that last year and a half, and it's really been a great joy to work with him. Uh, He's been a really great supervisor, really great manager, and I really couldn't have asked for a better first boss. So if you're not exactly certain what the 340B industry is, well, then listen up. It's a really, really great way to make a tangible impact in the lives of patients and really feel like you're contributing to the betterment of the healthcare industry. Um, but since Dustin's my boss, what that also means is if he doesn't come out of this interview smelling like roses, then uh, it's definitely my fault, and there's a good chance I'll be on unemployment in a couple weeks. So without further ado, uh, here is Dustin Murders. Let's jump right in here. Uh, Dustin, thank you so much for, for kind of jumping on the podcast with us today. I know it's a little short notice, um, so I do really appreciate you taking time. I know how busy you are to kind of jump on this call with us here. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, so uh, first question right off the bat, you know, everybody knows that you're uh, the director of retail programs at a 340B company, but uh, could you maybe talk us through a little bit as far as what that means and how you found yourself in your role today? Sure. So uh, my, my area of responsibility over here, and let me know if I'm cutting out. Uh, I'm in one of the small rooms over here. So my area of responsibility over here has developed over time. And uh, what I do, what I'm primarily responsible for today, there's, there's really um, three primary areas. Uh, one of them is, is our retail book. And we have uh, a couple of different products that fall under, fall under the retail book. And so... Our retail book is is uh, contract pharmacy. We we do a lot of the networking with with uh, hospitals and, and uh, uh, clinics and pharmacies. Everybody from your mom and pop shops all the way up to your national chain accounts. Uh, and then uh, we've got a couple of products under there that that uh, cater to uh, large pharmacy chains, etc. And then um, and the uh, those are kind of two areas to themselves and then the third area is is uh, what we what our our payer strategy essentially we work a lot with uh, uh, managed care organizations across the country um, to uh, ensure compliance within the program and um, uh, maximize the program value for hospitals and pharmacies alike so those are kind of three areas that I'm responsible for all of it's on the retail side of things so I don't really dive too much into specialty medications or anything or specialty processes. This is primarily your your uh, your retail drugs that, that don't necessarily cost you like a, a leg at the pharmacy to buy. So let me kind of build off here and, and you know when I when I first got up to Cornell and, and I was telling people what I was doing for the past year 
Whenever I said the word 340B, they just sort of looked at me with a blank stare. And then I got out a piece of paper and I sort of drew the map and tried to tell them exactly what happens. And somehow that blank stare got a little bit more blank. Me being one of those blank stares. <laughs> sure. So, sure. so in, in, in your words, how do you explain to somebody who doesn't know anything about the industry exactly what it entails and how important it is to the larger healthcare sector? Sure. So, so the way the way the program, what the program really is, is it's a federal program. It's federally uh, federally regulated to an extent. Uh, it's relatively uh, new in its in its oversight. Um, and so, uh, but basically, what it is is the, the 340B moniker is is just a it, uh, uh, it traces back to the actual law in the in the uh, in in the CMS uh, law books and. And so it's under Section 340B, and it describes what the 340B program is. But uh, what I'll tell you is uh, my description is relatively simple. So it allows hospitals and health centers uh, to gain access to the pharmacy uh, reimbursements at the retail rate, and they only have to uh, pay to replace uh, their, their drug stock at a deep, deep, deep discounted quote-unquote 340B rate. So essentially, you're receiving a retail rate uh, for a particular uh, drug that's out there, uh, which is pretty good, and you're only having to pay to replace that drug or pay for that drug at a deep, deep discounted rate. So there's a huge margin there for hospitals to gain access to contracts with pharmacies that allow them access to those, those funds. And the nice part about it for the pharmacy is that they can charge the hospital a fee for every time the uh, a nice hefty fee for every transactionally for every time that uh, one of those those transactions is identified by us. And so our role is to really identify those transactions. And so it's a uh, it wins for both the pharmacy and the covered entity. And uh, for us, we like to we like to take a little crumb off the top uh, uh, for our services as well. But essentially, the program is intended to allow hospitals and health centers to use those funds in order to reinvest back into their, their organization's infrastructure. Uh, we have some customers that, that have get, given us testimonials and stories over the years where they've, they've invested in transportation programs for their patients, they've invested in uh, cash programs for their patients, and, and uh, uh, really utilize these funds for, for great things and those stories actually go a long way we we uh, would like to keep track of, of how those, those types of programs are going and, and make sure that we're supporting them as much as possible so um, here's here, here's a kind of qual- a follow-up to that you know the the th- 340 the 340b industry you've got drug distributors you've got hospitals you've got pharmacies you've got the patients and it sounds like this is one of those rare instances where everybody comes out on top including the 340b administrator like capture rx so can you think of anybody in this situation that maybe you know isn't benefited by participating in this program well it depends on what your definition of participating is so the uh every all of the the uh, the major players right in the program uh, uh they they win right anything that's that's identified as 340b compliantly is is definitely a uh, uh uh, it's a win-win for everybody because CapturaX doesn't doesn't uh, make any any profit until 
we identify uh, the 340B transactions and uh, pharmacy doesn't make their what we call a dispense fee until uh, we identify those those transactions and then of course the hospital health center they don't they don't get access to the the pharmacy funds until we identify what those transactions are so for for the sort of the triangle of, of major players it works uh, and it's a win-win now if you're a for example, if you're a uh, uh, manufacturer, right? Uh, manufacturers don't necessarily uh, uh, think too highly of the 340B program because you're driving costs down, and, and you're not you're you're uh, as a as a hospital or health center, you're paying a discounted, a very very steep discounted rate that manufacturers are required to to uh, uh, to provide um, or particular drugs. Now that's outside of the regular markup on the retail that they're used to getting. So manufacturers don't necessarily uh, cheer pretty cheer very hard for the 340B program because it kind of hits their bottom line. But it's uh, in order for them to be able to provide, um, uh, they're, they're, they're not incentivized to, to, to uh, uh, be able to uh, uh, Provide for a deep discount at 340B rate. However, they they um, are in order for them to be able to provide those medications to Medicaid. And this gets a little bit in the weeds. Weeds. They basically uh, have to provide a 340B discount in order to maintain their uh, Medicaid patient access. And so uh, it's kind of a double-edged sword for them. Uh, they they're the only ones that would tell you that we lose on the 340B program. But if you're a hospital or, or a pharmacy or, or capture our eggs, we, we definitely win. And, and the story uh, is, is about stretching those dollars, not necessarily in favor of the big drug companies, but in favor of the small clinics out there in rural United States that will, that will definitely be able to utilize them for the better. Fantastic. So this is where, as a current employee, I put in a little bit of a plug for CapturaRx. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I get to say that it's, it's, it's really one of those unique industries or niche industries within healthcare uh, where you can really go to work every day and, and feel like you're making a contribution to a patient's life. And, and I know that's important for CapturaRx. And so, you know, if, if, if you're a uh, budding healthcare professional, definitely kind of check out this, this little part of the industry. It's, it's a really fantastic way to get involved. But uh, what I want to do now, Dustin, is maybe scale back a little bit and sort of try to dive a little bit deeper into how you work every day as a, as a manager or um, a director at a tech company. And, you know, there's at a, being a software company where your primary product is, you know, some sort of online platform. How do you find your job is either made more difficult or more easy by not necessarily being able to talk that technical talk all the time, but having to maneuver around that and work closely with a team that does speak that speak so clearly. Sure. So uh, there's there's always the uh, 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 you you can always develop your 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 chops, if you will, on being able to speak on on both sides and of the house on the technical side of things and on the business side of things. And if you're able to. Uh, if you're able to sit across from a, uh, and this kind of gets gets to your your question, if you're, and a lot of what I do is I have to translate uh, very complex program, uh, both on the 340B side of things and 
systematically uh, unique to our to our processes, uh, uh, technical side of things. So, so sitting across from a, an IT person, and I work with pharmacies, obviously, an IT person at a pharmacy and a uh, a managed care person at a pharmacy. Those are two very different worlds. However, they touch each other, and um, you you uh, have to be able to to find the common ground that they to where you're able to to explain certain uh, concepts, if you will, and uh, they make sense. And so those those concepts you you can't necessarily drill down too technically, uh, uh, but you also have to make sure that you don't you don't uh, uh, explain things in a in a in a fashion that that the the technical person just is like is eyes glazed over and is ready to go home. So um, uh, really, what I what I do and what I like to pride myself in is being able to to have a diverse audience in front of me and have and make and have all of us remain on the same page uh, throughout a presentation. For example, tomorrow, I'll be going out to one of our, our uh, new uh, chain customers uh, in Texas, and, and uh, uh, I'll have a wide range of, of, of folks that are responsible for different, different areas of their business, from IT to their inventory management to their operations to their, their, uh, uh, to their new business development, right? Being able to touch on, on and speak to all of those those pieces is something that that is a requirement for my job, but as it develops over time on a daily basis, uh, sometimes you have to just pick up the phone and, and walk somebody through something uh, from a, a wide, a very background, and uh, it takes it takes uh, it just takes experience, especially in an industry like like. The 340B industry. It just takes experience to learn that stuff, and Anand, you well know that uh, uh, with a with a budding uh, IT company like this, you're not out, all, always going to be able to get that type of get that type of training. It's more so you just kind of got to jump in and, and learn learn the lingo a little bit and and try it for yourself. So, Dustin, following up on that, um, it was interesting for me to see that despite being a director now at Capture RX, you've only been with the company less than two years, right? Um, so that's a fair, so that's a fairly quick ascent. And I'm curious, I'm curious to know um, what you think are some attributes or what are some experiences you went through when you started off as a business analyst that allow you to excel in your current position as a director. Well, I wish it was two years, but uh, uh, it's it's been a healthy five years, starting in, in next May or this coming May. <laughs> <laughs> well, my apologies for that. It's okay. It's it's okay. But I mean, I, I still agree. Five five years is, is relatively quick to um, for the number of, of positions that I've held here. And really, what it's what it's all about. Um, I, I was hired in a lot of companies, a lot of small companies, uh, whenever they need. Folks to, to come in and help. They'll they'll hire folks in as a general type of position, and then you kind of just you gravitate to where either you you fit or they need you to fit. And in my case, I gravitated to where they needed me to fit. And uh, much like 
many many pieces of, of what I do today. Uh, but the uh, they needed me to fit as, as kind of the point of contact and, and the the resource for one of our largest uh, our our largest and, and still today our largest pharmacy customer. And uh, so that that's kind of how I got my my start. And and I was lucky enough to to be able to be trained by a very patient customer and and uh, uh, learn a lot from their business acumen and a lot of projects and and, and uh, challenges have come over the years uh, with with um, learning from them and, and uh, over uh, overcoming a lot of again challenges but having at the same uh, uh, the same token a lot of accomplishments uh, to maintain that book of business for the company is is really uh, kind of helped me to, to develop here as a uh, as, as a business person as a professional, uh, given me some credibility to right uh, to uh, to be able to expand some of that knowledge, some of those practices to uh, a wider customer base. And uh, at this point in time, I, when I started, I was kind of uh, a lone wolf. I didn't really have a team. I was I probably switched desks about six times in my first two months just because nobody. <laughs> I wasn't a part of anybody's team, and now I've got a team of about uh, 15 folks, and uh, and so it's it's really good that that uh, that I can I, I've seen how it can grow and just how how uh, impactful some of the business that we've done, and it's just not just me, you know, uh, and Anand will be the first one to tell you uh, the people that you work with uh, uh, if they care. Then you you'll all be successful, and uh, if they sh- if the people that you work with share the same uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this the same give a shit as you do, right? Everybody will be successful, and that that's that's and not to not to not to give one of the things that we say around here is inevitable, but that's inevitable, right? If and success is inevitable if if you have a team of people that care, you might not always see eye to eye, but at the end of the day, if you all, if you all care and you all uh, find common ground, that's what makes individuals successful uh, where they are because uh, the, the, uh, uh, you, you can't, no one will be successful in that, especially in a small company, if you, if you don't have a strong team that, that will uh, support you and, and uh, vice versa. So, Dustin, I want to drill into something you just mentioned there where you're managing a team of 15. Uh, you know, when I got there a year and a half ago, it was uh, me, Alexis, and Crystal. So you were managing three, and then we added Matt and Desiree, so you're looking at five. And then somewhere between the last six months or so, it's, it's you know, more than doubled. And could you talk a little bit to maybe the challenges that that's posed to you as a manager of having to manage so many people so quickly, um, but also bringing people in from a different department that operate under a different culture, um, and sort of what that integration process look like, and what kind of challenges that's posed to you? Sure, sure. So, so the the one part about bringing on a new team is is uh, I've, I've done that job before, and so I've had those two teams under me before. The difference now is that, you know, as a director, you usually would like to have managers that can help manage uh, the uh, the day-to-day operations. Right now, uh, given that it's, you know, rel- I'm relatively probably six months back into that type of a role, I don't have the managers just yet. So, so it's a 
you know, you get pulled into the day-to-day, and so a lot of what, what um, where my box is and my comfort zone is doing a lot of kind of business development as a director. You kind of get pulled into that, that direction, business development, subject matter expertise, growth uh, uh, and expansion-oriented, et cetera. Uh, having, having a lot of folks reporting to you, you just naturally get, get kind of sucked into the day-to-day operations, which, you're, which I'm responsible for as well. And so it's 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 a it's a two it's, we get pulled in, in two different directions and, and it can be it can be uh, uh, taxing at times but at the end of the day uh, your the attitude is, is what what makes a difference and, and if you you get down on yourself you get you have a bad attitude about it then everybody around you is going to have a bad attitude and kind of goes into to where when bringing on a new team, you have uh, a different culture sometimes than, than is on the team that you kind of cultivated and, and, and nurtured for a number of years before. Uh, so you have uh, one team coming in that, that's, you know, in my experience, we, we uh, uh, kind of got away from the, uh, the support, the inter- inter-team support, if you will. I'm going to support, I've got this person's back and they've got mine type of an attitude. That didn't really exist. And so we've kind of, we've, we've undertaken a uh, culture change effort and everybody's, everybody's bought into it. And we've got uh, team cohesiveness uh, sessions uh, uh, basically themed throughout uh, the first quarter of this year. Uh, and there, there are a number of activities, number of number of sessions where where like yesterday we we identified our team's values what do what do we care about what makes us come in every day and what makes us go and uh things like that where you're just focused on positivity and you're not forcing it folks innately want to focus on positivity and the negativity kind of weaves itself out uh but that that's what i've noticed uh, is, is a dynamic whenever um we We've uh, kind of integrated our teams uh, from from uh, what we've seen in the past and on to, to what it is today. Just being kind of it's almost half of what the first floor is. <laughs> so that's actually a fantastic segue into my next question here. You know, instead of looking at it from managing a team that grows, um, I like to maybe talk a little bit about managing different levels of seniority within a team so like you know i remember when i got there uh, at capture i was i remember chopping at the bit like i couldn't wait to get my accounts i couldn't wait to really get involved and start making an impact and be a part of the team and um you know if i'm reflecting on it now i i think that i was probably a little bit too premature and and i rushed myself a little bit um so how do you kind of manage that somebody really young coming in and you know wanting to prove themselves and establish themselves versus managing, uh, you know, an employee who's been at the company for a couple of years, a sort of a veteran. Um, what are some of the different styles that you might utilize to make sure that, you know, the, the team is functioning well while you're kind of caring to the different needs of those two employees? Well, first, after you're talking to Anand, you just kind of have to, you, you got to uh, refrain from too many eye rolls. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, you're telling me. I can't even talk in the mirror. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think uh, there's 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 two things that I kind of noticed. You know, and we've brought in new folks that have that have you know uh, career careers of experience and doing what they've done uh, uh, in their areas for 
for uh, the last 20 years, right? And then, of course, <clears throat> folks that are very ambitious, uh, new to the workforce also, want to want to come in and they know that they've, like you or not, know that they've got an opportunity to do great things and get a lot of good experience. But it's a balancing act uh, for those folks that, that are just coming in and really ambitious. Balancing act between uh, challenging them to challenging them to be patient with themselves, but then also challenging them uh, with with the actual work. Uh, so, in, in a business like this, giving too much work too quickly uh, can lead to failure, uh, and and we, we never want to do that. Uh, but then also giving for for the person giving too little work uh, too slowly is 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 detrimental to that person's uh, ethics, right? And so it's just uh, you, you've got to be able to challenge in the right areas. Like for example, I remember uh, might have been you and I that I mean I couldn't even train this guy because he got it done with everything so damn quickly. Uh, <laughs> the training plan was like the first week and it was designed for 90 days. And I was like, what the hell? And then so <laughs> the uh, the the question then be, then became okay. Well, um, let's let's challenge Anand by by seeing how how much Anand dug into a couple of these things, and then and then say okay, well then find a Pandora's box that he can go solve, right? And I, I think maybe we did that. Maybe we maybe we didn't. Maybe we just gave you a big old account and then said run with it and, and just took the risk. <laughs> And I think that that's what we did. Luckily enough, we, and I don't think it was luck to be honest with you, but uh, uh, we, we succeeded there. And uh, the, uh, the 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 one thing there, though, is, is really just finding that balance that works for the person uh, that that has the ambition, and then uh, also works for the business. And and uh, but on the flip side, bringing somebody in that's got a lot of experience. They also could have a lot of, of uh, content in, in what they've done in the past. And this, and in this business, it's very different. It's a complex. It's, it's a big learning curve, right? And so, you've got to. Those folks might not jump in as, as quickly as some of the more ambitious folks that 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 are still working on on uh, finding their the groove in, in the business world, and so some of the some of the other folks that have gotten that have found their groove, they're comfortable with, with their work as, as a as a professional. They have to they have to get used to. Uh, in some cases, and on our team, we, we hire a lot of folks from pharmacy. They have to get used to the office environment, and you'd be surprised how big of a of a of a difference right that is sitting in front of a computer. Uh, working right next to, to very strong personalities sometimes, especially in this company, then you, you, you basically have immersed yourself into an environment that uh, for years and years and years, you just, it's, it's, uh, it's eye-opening, right? And we have folks that are on the team now that we've hired within the last month or so, uh, they're going through that process right now. And uh, uh, you... Uh, at the end of the day, um, you have to work with them to talk about those things, you know, and then find 
the good thing is that some of them are, are working together today. They can talk about those things and, and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this damn email. We've never had to use email before, right? Like the phone can text you probably uh, rarely, you know? And uh, so little things like that really, really are, are eye-opening to me too, right, on how to, how to uh, best uh, assimilate right into, into an office environment for, for someone who's never worked in an office. And that's just one example, right, of somebody of, of uh, a pretty even uh, end of the spectrum, if you ask me. So I love what you said there about being patient with, uh, with your employee, which I think you can consider to be sort of an internal customer. But I'd like to really kind of shift that over to the, the portion of your job where you said you really work with business development. And um, I know this is something that Parsa is really interested in. And maybe without giving it, you know, away too many of your secrets, could you talk about the process of kind of making that first point of contact with a potential customer? walking them through the process of, you know, what your company does, what you have to offer, and then eventually turning that contact, that relationship into contracts and this revenue for, for your company and for your department. Also, dismiss what he said. Give away all your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll, you'll probably, and, and some things that I've, that I've experienced in the past where, uh, and, it's, and it's not all about being a salesperson and, and to use the term crudely, showing up and throwing up, right? Anybody can do that. Um, the goal in any business development relationship or any relationship in general uh, uh, between two organizations, not, not from organization to consumer, but between two organizations, it's really about understanding uh, your, your target business, right? Understanding their business like you understand your own business. And you don't understand anything about anybody uh, unless you ask questions. And so it's, it's really the questions that you develop that are the most important part of, of that first uh, part of the relationship. And so, uh, and when, when you ask those questions, you know, you'll, you're, you're going to lead into more questions. Right, and then you just learn. You learn about what they do. You learn about what their processes are. You learn about how your organization can complement those processes. You also learn about their culture, and if you're even a good fit as a as a partner for the for them, uh, given their culture, right? Um, so, so those those types of conversations happen, and it's always great whenever you you find yourself uh, falling backwards into a culture conversation. Because whenever it happens naturally, then you know, right, that they're they're a good partner for you guys, and and uh, and but it's really all about uh, asking questions, and and if you um, just begin having conversations and and keep yourself focused on learning their learning uh, your partner or your prospect's business, then at the end of the day, they care that you care, and. Um, you, but you also have to produce right what what you're actually trying to accomplish. And the more that you can learn about their business, the more uh, intricate you can be with your solutions for them. And uh, I think that that establishes trust too, because that's a, that's a long process, uh, and you develop a relationship on the way. And uh, 
So I loved what you said there about uh, wanting to learn and and really making sure that you're you know prepared and educated with uh, who you're kind of speaking with. But I sort of want to flip that and, and look from an internal perspective. You know, one of the one of the very few things I'm just kidding that I enjoyed about working with you is you had this quote. Um, you know, with change comes opportunity. And uh, you know, my time at Capture, and I know we've talked about this a little bit, is that there's been a lot of internal change from a whether it's a personal perspective, a uh, culture perspective, you know, there, there's sort of a lot of things that are happening around us while we're trying to do our jobs. And as a manager, how do you reconcile all of that happening without letting it interfere with your day-to-day responsibilities? But then also, how do you sort of convey that confidence to the people that you manage and sort of assure them that, hey, you know, it's still business as usual um, until we're all sort of notified otherwise? Sure. The, the way that, that I've always... Um handle that is is it's not what uh, regardless of what's going on around us it's not it's not those processes or those people or or whatever whatever kind of change has taken place it's not those things that guarantee success our customers guarantee our success right they're our bosses at the end of the day so regardless of how many uh, folks will come and go or, or processes change um, it's it's not those those things that that drive our success. It's our customers that drive our success. So if our focus is on our customers and what they're doing and what we can do for them, then we're right 100% of the time. And so uh, my mindset is if I'm focused on uh, my customers and the people that that are on my team that that are are also focused on their customers and reinforcing that with the, with the folks on, on my team and that and I always use this term a time of change is we're driving the train here uh, not anybody else and not that process we're the ones that are driving the train and uh, uh, we're in the we're in the driver's seat and so if, if our focus is on our customers at the end of the day our customers make us better and they're going to challenge us and we're going to have to adjust regardless of, of anything going on at the company internally, change change happening, et cetera, moving buildings, whatever. Our customers expect certain things out of us and hold us to a standard, and that's what makes us better. Uh, so to me, the focus is, is, is not necessarily, uh, I, I don't deviate focus away from the customer, especially in times of change, uh, just because, We have one more question, and it's one that we like to ask all of our guests. 
but what advice would you give for young professionals that are about to enter the real world? And that's not necessarily for the 340B industry, but um, in, just in general, once they start working. Sure, sure. So, so I think uh, the, one of the first questions that I don't think I answered was was uh, just my my experience coming into this company. I, I had a, a, a couple of couple of real jobs at a at a college uh, doing like a startup, and, and I worked at at, at uh, Dell for a while and came here. But um, the uh, the one thing that's always that's always been a constant that I've always uh, always seen in my experience is positive on, on any work environment is just not being afraid to jump in and learn and you you uh, actually you can't be afraid to make mistakes uh, can't be afraid to get in trouble can't be afraid to to um, to be the bad guy uh, and and sometimes those things uh, you also with those things those things will happen you have to also maintain your relationships uh, so you can be the bad guy but maintain your relationships so it's a matter of, of just uh, being bold and fearless but at the same time um, like I said before you more than likely will have a team around you that cares about what they do on a daily basis you have to make sure that you care about what they do on a daily basis because at the end of the day that's how you uh that's how you will be successful you have to care about the people around you uh, but not be afraid to go out on a limb and take risks uh, and and uh, uh what i'm trying to say is don't step on the people that can help you be successful because whenever they're successful they'll help you be successful and vice versa uh, whenever you're successful um, they'll be successful because at the end of the day you're on the same team and, uh, and especially in a small company uh, everybody's success is, is uh, uh, contagious and so the, uh, the, the biggest thing I can say is don't don't be afraid to do hard work and, and to, to uh, jump in and make mistakes and uh, just I think that'll resonate with a lot of our listeners and our peers. And so we have one last question, and we talked about it a little prior to the recording, but do you think that your credibility is negatively impacted considering that you work at a tech company, but you're still rocking a flip phone? Do you find that your credibility is questioned at any time? Well, seeing as that you're making it public on a podcast now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel better, we don't have a very high rate of listeners. <laughs> I take it back then. <laughs> it could be. I've been asked that before, but uh, you know, uh, sometimes you just don't don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I think there's certainly a lesson in there for all of us. <laughs> well, Dustin, uh, you know, I just want to say thanks again for jumping on this call. Um, really had a lot of fun kind of talking with you today. Uh, really, thanks for taking the time, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, we'll chat with you again soon. Sure. Let me know when you want to come back to town and on, and we'll uh, we'll have a good time. Always miss me some of those Zocalo tacos. I'll definitely take you up on that. Absolutely. Great meeting you, my friend.
Dustin, we'd like to thank you again for joining us on the podcast. I think I speak for everyone when I say we learned a lot, especially about the 340B industry. As was said at the beginning of uh, the interview, I had no idea what it was. Um, So again, thank you for all that insight. And guys, stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be talking to Tony Herman, the executive director of the Sloan MHA program here at Cornell. And I'll guarantee you that you want to stay tuned for that because Tony drops so many gems that it's just, it's unbelievable. Thanks, guys. See you next time. I love you.